Hi, welcome to episode nine of the Noisy Golfer. Thank you so much for your feedback so far. Um, we're delighted to have on with us uh, our next guest, um, all the way from New Zealand. And we're actually filming at very, very different time zones. Um, it's now nine o'clock in the evening here on the 25th of October, but it's nine o'clock on the 26th of October with our guest, Laura Hoskin. Laura, how are you? You okay? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm just here having my breakfast and you're about to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm yeah, looking forward to some much much needed sleep, actually. As we were saying um, ju just off air, just before we started as well, Jade's absolutely gutted that she couldn't be on this one because I know that she had loads of things to ask that we'll go through. Um, for those of you that know, obviously, we've got Isaac, who's eight, but also Leo, that's two. Leo's proving a little bit restless tonight, unfortunately. So Jade's Jade's not with us. Um, but that said, there's there's so many things to talk about. I know that we've got in touch with each other on Instagram, and we've we we, we followed each other. Um, for, for those of you that don't, uh, for those of you for those of you watching that don't know you, could you give us an intro in terms of who you are, your backgrounds into golf, and we'll uh, we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, cool. So I'm Laura. I'm 26. I'm from New Zealand. And I've recently just come back from America where I earned some partial symmetric tour status. Um, I've played in China, I've played in Vietnam, um, I've played a tournament on the Korean tour, and I went to Ole Miss uh, University in America for four years. So yeah, I've kind of been all over the place, but well, at the moment well, because of COVID. Yeah, <laughs> no, of course. Well, 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 well traveled then. Um, I mean, there's so much to discuss and unpackage there already. Um, but it'd be great to start at the beginning in, in terms of when you when you first started playing golf. Uh, what what can what can you tell us about when you first started playing? Who was it that got you into it, and what was it about golf that sort of drew you in? Yeah, it was, I guess like most girls or most kids, really, like the parents get you into golf, right? Like your parents yeah, play, yeah. then you go out to the course and you just go, you know, see what it's all about. And my dad is a, a major um, sports enthusiast, so he said. Um, you know get good at one sport Laura and it can take you a lot of places so um, I just fell in love with golf um, and I, I went to boarding school so okay. I every day after school um, you'd go back to the hostel and I mean I'd just bike to golf and go to golf every day I mean I wasn't much of a socializer um, but kind of was like my getaway I guess, and yeah. just I just loved it. Yeah. What, 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 when was it that you you first started playing then, and uh, how how young were you when you first picked up a club? Yeah, I think um I was about ten years old when I saw on your Instagram page, like probably that age for sure. Okay. Um, but it wasn't until maybe like I was 13, 14 where I really started competing. Okay. Um, and I was really lucky. My parents uh. Um, took me to America for a couple of years in a row to play lots of junior tournaments and in, in, oh, wow. in the states. Yeah. So yeah. that was where I got noticed by college recruits. Okay. Um, and that's why it was not easy, but um, being physically there playing tournaments made yeah. made it easy for college recruiters to to contact you and see you play and get a scholarship. Ah, okay. So, so how, how young would you have been when you first went to the states? Then, having having started the game at around ten. Yeah, I was, um, I was, I turned 18 when I went to America for my ah, first year okay. Of, okay. of college. Yeah. Super. Um, yeah. And, and with regards to, I mean, what, what would also be great to learn about as well is the sort of the New Zealand golf scene. 
Um, what, what, <laughs> what, what we found, certainly even in the UK here, is that Isaac, you know, our, our son who's eight, um, even though golf is obviously very popular in the UK, um, I, I, we're confident that Isaac's the only player in, uh, the only golfer in, in his school. So I, I still think, you know, one of the things that we're talking about in the UK is it, we think that the UK, um, certainly the education system's got some way to go to introduce golf at earlier ages. It would be great to learn a little bit more about sort of what happens in New Zealand, because obviously it seems a, uh, obviously it's the other side of the earth. I'm sure, I'm sure obviously golf's popular in, in some extent, but how would you sort of describe the golfing landscape uh, in and around your life? Your... Yeah, um, I'm really... I, I, honestly it's probably really similar to to what you're talking about at, at yeah. home for you um golf is a not a popular sport okay um although i think the new zealand golf um community they are putting steps in place to make it more popular um growing yeah. up for me i was the only girl in my school in the in the South Island that okay. played golf, you know, like um, it was, uh, yeah. But um, golf offers so many um, amazing benefits socially, um, mentally, physically, like to to kids. And I think you know going forward, it would be great if schools did introduce it to um, to part of their curriculum. Even um, yeah. I was really lucky. I grew I grew up in a in a beautiful town. Um, called Queenstown and we have amazing golf and every Friday and winter we're going golfing and I think there were maybe 10 kids who decided to golf and the rest of the school decided to go up skiing of course <laughs> I was the golfer so um, <laughs> but yeah if, if that gives you any um you know ratio yeah 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 no, no absolutely yeah. no so, so, so you've obviously, so you've started it, you've started golf at 10 and what was there a particular, obviously before going to the States at 18, was there a particular moment in between that period where you thought I'm actually quite good at this? If so, oh. when, when, when was that? And was there a point no, where I was you thought, I'm going to take was, this a bit more seriously? I remember when I was a junior and my dad got me into golf lessons, group junior golf lessons and I was okay. not the best. Like I was the yeah. one hitting it along the ground and other girls <laughs> or guys would be hitting it high. Like all I could think was, oh, they, they put it off the ground. Like, why can't I do that? And um, I find, you know, I'd, I think I just had this inner determined factor. I was like, I want to get good. I want to get better. And um, eventually you become um, a better player and it doesn't take long when you're a kid, right? Yeah, like yeah. You, you, you pick something up really fast. Um, and I was about... I'd say maybe 13, 14, when my dad started taking me to national tournaments. Okay. Um, that was when I decided, oh, yeah, like, I quite like the sport. I like competing. Um, and it was something me and my dad did together, which was nice. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I didn't even know American scholarships existed until I was, like, 16, when I went to America for the first time. Like, I didn't know that was what you did. I just played golf and played because I loved competing and then I was like oh my gosh you can get scholarships to America you can get a free education you can play all around the states like for free um yeah I'll go for sure um and yeah it just all kind of came as as, as you progress through the golfing system yeah so yeah. How, how did you first became aware that that's something that you could do in terms of uh, US golf scholarships yeah, I think because 
because New Zealand's so isolated from the rest of the world, and, and so because golf is not a popular sport, like we've got yeah. netball, like we like you guys, netball, rugby, yeah. cricket, um, and it's just not a thing people do. Yeah. Um, and so, but because you go over to America playing junior tournaments, everyone is major golf fans. They love golf. And that was where I'm like, oh, like I could get a scholarship for golf. And so that was like then the burning desire and the next step in my golfing career was to gain a scholarship. And I was just lucky enough that I played really well over there in my junior career. Like I made it to the US Junior Girls Amateur. Um, I won a San Diego tournament like and I think also maybe because you're so naive, like because you're in New Zealand and you're not surrounded by lots of other girls, you just, you don't realize what's out there. And I don't know, I just, being naive is, is not a bad thing. Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, so, so when you've moved to, to America, talk us through that. Cause I mean, as a, you know, as a teenager, I mean, did you, did your family move with you? Did you move on your own? You know, how, how was that experience? Oh. No, I went on my own. Um, so it was it was it was a great experience, and I would hundred percent recommend it to any young golfer that aspires to go to America. If you think it's scary, yeah, it might be scary for the first bit, but everyone else is in the same boat as you. Yeah. Everyone's come from different parts of America, different parts of the world, and you're all there together. And the support system in the American college, um, at American colleges, is so great. Like they're there to help you um and yeah they're, they're really great and I, I definitely recommend it for sure um no I loved it I made have made friends that I still talk to now and if you was it Oregon University that you moved to is that right yeah so I went Oregon to Oregon State. State for my first year yeah um unfortunately the coach that recruited me there she got she got fired oh, so okay. um yeah so then the new coach that got brought in she had a big clean out of the team so I think she sent Four, four players home like she oh, said wow. you, you're up you're on the team yeah okay. um and I was one of the players so I was then um recruited to Ole Miss which was a major um upgrade because it was it's an amazing school okay oh yeah. so it's actually worked out the better for you then the fact that that happened oh, a thousand percent like I wouldn't have asked for it to work out any other way yeah so so with regards to when you moved to college then um what, what were you studying as well as uh, as well as well as playing golf? I think I changed my major six times. <laughs> like you, on the inside, it looks like so fabulous, but on the inside, like no, I, I I did. I went from business. I went from hospitality management. I went from. Um, I think I did some yoga classes. I not that it's a major, but there was a class that I did. Yeah. Um, and then I I finally stood on journalism. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, fantastic. So, um, in, 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 so in terms of the golf, yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was good. In, in terms of the golf it's, itself, you've obviously mentioned already that you had some successes there. And um, just talk us through your journey, because obviously, you know, again, I'm, I'm sure playing from you know playing from New Zealand and moving, uh, you know, moving to the US, and I suppose virtually playing, you know, full time. How how did that um, one impact your game? Um, and two, in terms of the, the competitive nature of um, of your golf game, would you say that there are any particular things that sort of developed from there or any particular experiences that's put you in a great position to to sort of kick on beyond college golf? What, what, how would you describe that? Yeah, so, gosh, professional golf is 
in my opinion, was very different from college golf. Yeah. Um, college golf is very team orientated. Um, and professional golf, you're out there for you. Um, and you're out there playing for money so you can keep going and keep getting status. Um, if you have a bad week, like it kind of means it's a big deal. But if you have a bad yeah. week in college golf, you just try again the following week. Um, I would say like China, the, I spent a full year in China playing yeah. and the competitiveness over there was amazing. The girls are awesome. Like they have, that tour is just run so well. And I honestly, I couldn't believe that there weren't any more Americans playing on it because I'm like, this is so like, they're playing just as much, if not more over there for on the, um, compared to the Smith tour. Yeah. Um, and, but uh, I, did, I didn't play great if I'm being honest, but it taught me a lot about my game and it taught me a lot about playing pro playing professionally and, and playing week in and week out. And that's the important part for a professional golfer, right? Like yeah, yeah. your game needs to be so um, just solid that even if you're, you know, your B or C game, you can still put four scores up on the scoreboard and make the cut. Um, it, you, it's just a whole learning process and you just have to accept you're not going to play great all the time and you can't let that mentally bog you down yeah mm. so at what point did you move to at what point did you move to China then was that your um was that your first step after college golf how did what, what was your what was what was your path once uh, once you graduated yeah so I finished college yeah, so I finished college golf in May 2018, and I originally wanted to stay over in America and get internships and work. Yeah. And then my dad said, "No, like, Laura, if you if you want to play professionally, I'll um I'll fund you." So May, I think May June July, so that six months later, I decided to go play Q school in China, and okay. I played really well. I um placed in the top 20, um and got my full status over there. Yeah. Um, and just ended up playing in China for the remainder of 2019. Back and forth, obviously. You can't, gosh, I could not spend more than four weeks in China. <laughs> <laughs> I can just go back and forth. <laughs> so what, in, so how did it, were there, you mentioned obviously there, there were many uh, players of other nationalities there. So is there, I take it the, the majority, was the was it predominantly Chinese? Was there a mixture of Korean? What what was the sort of the, the demographic like of that particular tour? Um, there um there were there were two from australia okay. and then there was uh me and my friend hani um she is korean but she's born and bred in new zealand yeah. um and then the rest were from japan china vietnam uh uh gosh yeah Taipei is that a place? Yeah. Chinese Taipei, <laughs> yeah. but a, a predominant, yeah. a predominantly Asian source. So, so essentially, what you're saying is obviously certainly a lack of European, certainly a lack of American golfers. Yeah. Um, did you did you notice anything different in terms of the um, the approach to golf? Because um, I know culturally, uh, certainly when you look at Korean players oh. on the tour, there's obviously that in terms of work ethic, their approach, their um, so I suppose the um, commitment to technique and, and that sort of thing. Did you notice any anything there that you felt, um, I suppose, was either different yeah. or oh. um, to yeah. either the European or American games? It's very scary. 
yeah um very very seriously focus a lot on technique they love the range um they don't make mistakes uh they i don't know if i would say the americans probably have more fun with it um yeah. for example when you go to america and you're playing on tours or mini tours like girls are like super like friendly like she, like would say hi to another girl on the other side of the fairway like oh my god i love your outfit like really like you're you're very uh single-minded i guess is what you'd say yeah 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 cool and and is, is there a reason why you're not you're no longer playing on the on the chinese lpga, LPGA tour now? yeah because of covid <laughs> oh okay so so effectively you'd have you'd have still been playing on that tour had it not been for the for the pandemic yeah oh that's honestly, such a shame it is because well it's covid is so annoying so if there was no such thing as covid i'd probably be what month is it i'd probably be over there now playing otherwise yeah. i'd be preparing for the um australian tour okay which is from january to march um and travel um you have to limit your travels down to pretty much one country and just spend your time there which is going to be in america for me in about six months time ah okay because i know that you, when, when you look at the pandemic um you've obviously been your nation's obviously been blessed with a very competent uh prime minister without taking this conversation too political in the uk <laughs> i suppose it's one extreme to what to what we experience are there currently travel restrictions in place in terms of you um because i know that there's certain nationalities where they can gain um a, a elite sports person um status which allows them to freely travel between countries assuming that they can obviously you know be frequently tested and that sort of thing are there restrictions within new zealand at the moment that are preventing you from doing any sort of travel at all yeah yeah really we're quite strict at the moment so um you can't you can't do last minute travel um you have to you have it's, we, oh, it's just, it boggles my mind. So when I went to America um, a couple months ago, I had I was on a waiting list for four months um, to get a spot in at MIQ um, before I even left the country. And once we had that secured, we then booked the tickets to, to go to America because we knew we could come home. Um, at the moment, that, that whole system has changed. So they're no longer doing a waiting list. They're doing a lottery. So you've got oh. 30,000 MIQ bases yeah. to get home. So it, it's, it's, it's impossible to travel. Like you, you just, because you don't have that certainty that you're going to get home. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. So, <laughs> so how long do you think that is likely to, to sort of continue for then? I know that um, I mean, I was reading the news before. I know that, that I heard that the Beijing uh, marathon was cancelled because of a, a spike in COVID cases there. Uh, obviously, the Tokyo Olympics experienced, you know, its own issues in terms of uh -huh. uh, in okay. terms of fans and things. So, are there any predictions in terms of when you think that may change? I think um, it would be until we get to like a ninety percent vaccination percentage within our okay. country. Okay. Um, I think eventually 
will allow people in, but they'll have to be double vaccinated. Vaccinated. Yeah. Um, but it, it's going to take some time, I think, for a prime minister to be confident that that's going to work. Oh yeah. my god, that, I, I can't. I mean, it's it's such a crazy thing to even think about, isn't it? But um, you know, the UK, I think, is. I know we're heading into the winter months, so. Um, yeah. na- na- naturally there's a lot of players that will you know not necessarily play through the winter but we still do have access to golf courses and things so ge- geographically with where you are I mean it you know as far as I'm aware you know players can still travel to you know Europe and America and all sorts of other countries so as a as an athlete wanting to to get away and, and compete it must be so frustrating it is and all and all you see on instagram right your yeah. friends playing in america and playing q school and and tournaments and i'm just like it would be but it's just there's there are so many restrictions and it's one of those things that you can't control so you have to give yourself you can't be too hard on yourself yeah yeah no yeah. no absolutely so what, one of the things that you mentioned earlier is that you've 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 um uh uh, qualified did you say with a certain type of status on the Sabetra tour yeah so I've got partial status I won't know how much that status will be until the end of their season okay. and when they do the rankings but I'll get a few events there next year yeah and I'll play full-time on the WAPT tour which is yeah. the women's all pro tour um they've got 12 events so I'll probably end up playing just over 12 events over four months okay Superb. And then, and then, in terms of like the the bigger picture, what 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 remains the ultimate for you in terms of uh, in terms of your golfing career? I mean, obviously, all things being well, and you've got the freedom to travel and everything else. What 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 ambitions do you have with your uh, with your own game? Yeah, I mean, I wanted I wanted to keep seeing how far I can go. I don't think I've reached my peak of my career. Yeah. Um. I. I've only just started revamping my game now to try and get to that extra, that next level, yeah. um, which I saw, like, for example, my driving distance, it needs to be um, further. So I've been working with some special coaches to, to get me that far, that length off the tee, which will then help me be competitive on the Symmetra Tour. And then when the world starts to open back up, be competitive over in Europe. Yeah, but yeah. I'll love to go to the Q school then next year. Um, when China opens back up in Korea, like just to get back over there and play. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just want to keep playing for the next three years and yeah. see where it takes me. Yeah. Super. And, and with regards to um, when you do travel, um, I know that in previous time, uh, I think previously you've travelled with your father to the States. Um, is that right? Yeah. What, what, is, is, that, is that the plan for yeah. the future or would you... Um, or would you travel alone, or are there plays there that you would sort of integrate with once you uh, once you sort of uh, find yourself on tour? Yeah, so I'd say it would be a mix. So my dad is a huge supporter, and he he was there in America with me. Yeah. Um, so we just had a little Airbnb together, and you know he'd carry my bag for me and and practice and stuff. It was great. Obviously, it would butt heads, but overall it was fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I. Like I like traveling on my own, but it does get lonely. Um, I've got a boy, an amazing boyfriend who I'm living with here in Auckland at the moment, so I really hope that he can come with me um, to keep me company on the road uh, next year. Fantastic. And interestingly, though, so um, you, you mentioned that your dad's been on the bag for you. 
Oh, but in practice, not during them. We're not when I play. Oh, right. Okay. No, no, sorry. Because because one of the things that's come up with a few of the, a few of the podcasts that we've done um, with, with Michelle Holmes, Laura Landon Holmes in, the, in America and, and a couple of others as well, is we've spoken about the relationship between a parent and a player in terms yeah. of that, you know, parent caddy, you know, relationship. Um, how would you, I mean, I think it'd be good to sort of, again, just to reflect back whilst on that subject. How was your relationship with your father when you were getting into golf? Because I know that the dynamic between parents and, and, and player can be quite unique. What, what, was your, what was your own experience of that? And are there any particular things that you looked at from your dad that you thought, you know, looking back, oh, that was amazing. I'm glad he did that. And is there anything that you can pass on to, you know, to our viewers that, that parents might see upon themselves and think, do you know what, that's something I can do as well? Yeah, um, all I can say is like both my mum and dad were super supportive of my dreams. Um, they, you know, you can see how hard your kid works <coughs> and if they want something and all parents need to do is provide the opportunity yeah. for the kid to go and play in a tournament, like to go and practice like my dad would pick me up every day after school and he'd just take me to practice and be there with me and help me pick up the balls and just like things like that that for kids makes it easier to go and go and train yeah. um and yeah providing the opportunity to play in events um obviously financial contribute contributing contribution <laughs> is important too <laughs> um, but once you get to a certain age, obviously kids are going to rebel against their parents. I, I, I got to an age where I just hated dad being there and like he would try and control, not control, but put his own two cents in all the time. And I was trying to, trying to find my own two feet and my independence within myself and my game. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was tough, but I think over time it's, taken a long time but we've both learned yeah how we work and he's learned when not to say something yeah and I've learned also when not to get grumpy <laughs> with him yeah yeah oh, at what age do you think you, you your mind because I know age? at the end of the day all parents want to do it is to help no of, yeah. of, of course yeah I, th I think that's the thing oh. with with um For with Isaac and the journey that we're going on is Isaac, Isaac's eight and we've got Leo that's two that's showing a love of golf already but I think that the, the, the overwhelming advice that we've got is, is very much what you said really is to be supportive um, and as Isaac gets to you know gets towards nine he's nine, he's nine in July yeah we, we you know we're focusing on independent golf so you know I carry the bag when I caddy for him on local competitions on a Saturday he makes his own club choices. He tees the ball up himself. But I, I still think like one of the challenges is that, um, and it doesn't concern me, you know, it doesn't bother me any, in any way, shape or form where he hits the ball. But I think it's trying to get Isaac over um, when he hits a bad shot and he's disappointed with himself picking him up. And I think that's probably the one thing that I'm trying to do as much as I can. Um, to basically just try and put him at ease with because he's got very high expectations of himself. There's no pressure from me, but also at the same time, it's just managing that emotional development that, you know, that he's going through as a young yeah. boy as well. 
Yeah, and I and that's all you can do is is be supportive and positive. Um, and I mean, I, I remember when I was his age, and I would get so grumpy, like and angry about, and perfection had to be perfect. But yeah. over time, and as you mature, you learn that you don't have to be perfect um, to school well, and like you you engine. Yeah, it was actually really interesting. I played with this little autistic boy couple of weeks ago and just the way that he thought on the golf course compared to me when I was his age was vastly different all yeah. he cared about was course management and okay. I wouldn't be there I wouldn't hit it there like never talked about a technical part of his swing yeah. at all the whole day and I was like oh my god like I wish I could not be bothered <laughs> about it like he just it was cool like yeah I think it just comes with you know growing up and and find, figuring out who he is and yeah. Cool. Well, one of the words that I, um, I wanted to explore this as well, obviously we're doing our research in advance of this. You described yourself as a golf freestyler yeah. in, in an article <laughs> that we saw. And I can imagine what, it sounds quite Seve-esque almost in, in, um, in that, but I wanted to get your interpretation of what you felt that meant to you, because I love the idea of a golf freestyler. I think it's got so many, so many connotations that come from that word. Um, but it would be great to get your take on what you know. What 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 do you what what is a golf freestyler in your mind, and why was it that word that you that you chose to describe your own game? Yeah. So as a young kid and growing up, I was a perfectionist and everything had to be perfect. And I learned very quickly that that was almost making me dislike the game. And I would get, not scared, but I'm anxious of going to play because I was like, it has, to, it has to be perfect. But that's not how it is. So I learned to be um, more creative and I guess play with, with, with freedom and have, you know, a freestyle, um, uh, I guess take on my game right so I'd right. learn to adapt if my drives weren't great I'd be like okay well let's just bang it out and try and get my scrambling really good that day um, and just adapting to the course adapting to how your game is feeling that day um, and just yeah you can see it with skiers right they're freestyling yeah. their way down the slopes and it's almost the same with golf you're your own artist yeah so basically without fear not for you know with that you know no no worrying about the consequences wherever it goes it goes but ultimately just letting your i suppose letting your body relax um just feeling at one with your your own game and being confident with that is that a fair anal analysis no. of that Abs yeah yeah hit the nail on here <laughs> um well i think just to, a few of the questions that i'd love to I'd love to learn a little bit more of is um what's the we haven't asked this before but i think i think these are really good questions because everyone's going to be different what's the best shot you've ever hit um oh <laughs> i did my first ever fist pump um when in my last round of qualifying school in palm springs this year and i hold a chip shot to get back to par Big, it was a big shot because I knew I was borderline of making the cut. Okay. Um, and I, I just did, I did my fist pump. And it was like under the pump. It was under the pressure. It was when I needed it. And I was like, and I'd been working hard on my short game. Yeah. And I just, oh, I was so excited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you have you had any holes in one? Yeah. Yes, I had. Have you? Um, How many? Some, I had one in America. Oh, that was one. I've, I think I only had the one. Yeah. <laughs> 
how, how did that feel? Because I'm still waiting towards mine. Um, <laughs> so I'd, I'd love to know just what that might feel like. Oh. Did you I see it? Did you see it go in? Don't try for it. You can't try. Yeah, it bounced. I bounced past the pin. The green was sloping like this. Yeah. And it bounced here, here, and then back into the hole. It was pretty cool. Oh, um, yeah, but then, like, you know, when you're playing overseas and you've got all these Maseratis, BMWs, cash prizes for the hole-in-one, you really try hard, and it doesn't seem to get close any of the time, does it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I can imagine. I can well imagine. When you've got something on the line. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and who are your favourite players? Oh, I love Justin Thomas. I think okay. he's so cool. And he, he doesn't get like sidetracked by what other people think. And I, yeah, he's, he's a great golfer. I'm actually working with the same people um, that train him over okay. at Joey D Golf, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else? Um, nah, Justin Thomas. He's the man. <laughs> Super. Well, well th thank you so so much for joining us. I feel like we've covered so much um, in that. And again, really, really appreciate your time. I think it's just obviously frustrating. I can't imagine, you know, as I say, as an athlete, what it must be like with everything that's going on. Um, but we sincerely hope things can can get back to normal as, as soon as they can to, uh, you know, enable you to play. And we look, look forward to seeing your results, you know, when that happens. Um, for, for those of you that, um, that don't, um, already, fo uh, already follow uh, Laura on Instagram, um, feel free to do so. And if those of you uh, do have any questions uh, in terms of Laura's background, her career, her journey, or any tips, uh, then do feel free uh, to make a comment uh, in the comment box below on YouTube. This will also be going out on Instagram, on IGTV, uh, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. I know that I think it might be to do with the um, the, the geographical location. I know we've had a couple of issues there with the, the picture um, coming in and out, I think, um, on that. But we'll, we'll do what we can to fix that as well as we can. Um, and we just loved having you on, Laura. I think it's so good to hear about your journey, um, you know, from when you've started into golf, from moving to college in America, to playing in China. And, you know, it's obviously to your continued aspirations uh, on the Symmetra Tour as well. Uh, and we, we wish you well and we really appreciate you coming on to talk with us. You're so welcome. It was great to, hit, um, to, be, part of it, to be part of it. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Laura. Take care.